You're listening to The Brian and Gina Show, the official podcast of L.A. Magazine. Here are your hosts, Brian and Gina. Hello and welcome to The Brian and Gina Show, the official podcast of Los Angeles Magazine. I am Brian Bishop. I'm Gina Grad. On today's show, yes, our typical weekend recap, robust, Gina, robust weekend on oh. my end. Oh, and well, also this is a perfect. So it'll be more of a 90-10 split today. Yeah, that's not about right. Also Good. a verifiable Hollywood insider, previous guest, uh, Matt Bellamy, will be here, former editor of the uh, Hot Reporter and, and current insider, uh, the mind behind Puck News. He will give us everything we need to know about the strike, how it resolved, what happened, who won, who lost, if anyone won or lost, if we all lost. Also, yeah. uh, some curious thoughts. I want to ask Matt about um, Marvel, the future of Marvel movies, uh, box office, et cetera, et cetera. The man can answer a lot of questions for us, Gina, so get your questions ready. Oh, good. Yeah, Matt's a, Matt's a font of knowledge, and we are going to uh, exploit him. So we're very excited about that. Um, and also it's, you know, it wasn't just the one strike. We had the first giant tidal wave with the writers and then the actors were like, eh, we're not done. So yeah. yeah, I can't wait for him to make sense of this. I, are, are you part of the union? I am not. I am part of SAG-AFTRA. I had been a Varden SAG for years, but when they uh, combined with AFTRA, it was just, it just was what it was. So um, yeah, very, very interested to hear what's going on and, and um, let somebody explain it to us like we're four because it's sure. complicated. Yeah, Matt, I know through uh, our kids went to daycare together, preschool, uh, all that stuff. So he is, I know for a fact, Matt is good at explaining stuff. To people like their form. Thank God. Um, well, it, it, again, you you use the word robust, which makes me very curious. I would love to. Um, I'd love to tell you about my weekend. Please. I mean, take as much time as you need. I will. Uh, well, I did do one thing Friday that I have never done in this house, and have only done one other time in my life because I have a dual feeling about it. Um, I hired professional house cleaners to come and do a deep clean, which I've Wait, never done. You, you've never done that? I did it one time when I was living in another apartment and it was still like, ah, what do I do? I feel two ways about this, which makes no sense. A, it's a waste of money. How can it be a waste of money for something I can't do myself? I can't. Yeah. I've proven over and over again I can't. And B, like, I'm not good enough for it. Like, this is something I should be able to put my Cinderella oh. schmata on and do myself. So those two things, free. I've been frozen my entire life. Yeah, you got to go over that quick. You are good enough for it. Thank you. Thank you I mean, the much. bar is low is what I'm saying. That's fine, too. Um, so I pulled the trigger and they, of course... You know, I was like, well, what do you mean a deep clean? Oh, what was this going to set me back? Well, they're like, you probably live in a haunted house if you've never had a cleaner. So you got to start with a deep clean. I was like, oh, fair enough. Um, so I, we prepared, got all Did the crap. You start interrupt. Did you go through like a service like Tidy or yes. TaskRabbit or something? No, went through like a, like Googled like cleaning services and read all their reviews. And right. I, this one, should I give them a plug? They're very nice. No. That's uh, a view. They were called Start to Shine, and oh. they were fantastic. Um, so this lovely, uh, I was reading the reviews, and everybody was praising like this married couple that comes and does a great job. And I was like, are they available? So I requested. They were fantastic. bickering the whole time. 
The sweetest couples, they start at the front, they work their way back. My bathroom is like a ha- is a half bath when it has a toilet and a stand-up shower. Um I consider that a full bath these days. Like who need who needs two tubs? That's Thank absurd. You. So you. that does a full bath. If okay. it had just like you know, the toilet and sink, that's a half bath. Oh, that's a half. Okay, so this is a three-quarter, whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a bathroom. Who needs two tubs? Not me. I don't need one. So my, I get my own bathroom and the boys share the other bathroom. It's perfect. But I have a tiny, teeny little closet sized bathroom that literally looks like a Sephora mated with a rest stop. It's disgusting. It has makeup everywhere. It's filthy. Cinder block with a chain with a little key. It is horrific that I go into this bathroom. And we have a little boy who likes to use my bathroom because it's closer to the TV. And um, what's up with your aim, gentlemen? Yeah. And, and uh, kids his age, I speak from having experienced many, many years ago, indiscriminate. Don't understand it. Aren't you holding it? Well, ideally. <laughs> In a perfect world. How could it go anywhere but where you're aiming it? It, you know, it. it's just like if you're a sniper and you're up for like eight hours, you know, you get tired, you know, you, you, you drop your muzzle. I, I need the toilet to be in the crosshairs when you guys yeah. are doing this. No, that, that's fair. So a couple of fails there that I was not willing to deal with. So in my teeny, teeny, tiny little closet bathroom, I think it took the most time and I was the most grateful, but they worked their way from the front to the back. Um, lovely people. I still don't know. What, what was it? The married yeah. couple? Yes. It was. How long did the whole thing take? Well, it took about four hours. Yeah. And um, I don't know the protocol. I think I was getting in their way a lot, like asking if they wanted drinks and snacks. And they really just kind of wanted me to get get it gone. But, um, you know, I tried to stay out of the way and not, you know, walk on wet floors. And I mean, they did a beautiful job. It ended up being about six o'clock or and maybe 4.35. I don't know. It was dark. And my husband and I were starving. So we ordered a giant pizza from our favorite place, Joe Peeps, and a giant salad. And just started throwing napkins and food on the floor because the yeah, there. face down. They so need something there. to do. Exactly. Well, they were very busy and literally sweating. Literally. I mean, this this can be backbreaking work, especially when you're as filthy as I am. I got news. So, you know, all they did was set a Roomba free and just lie down for... Four hours. They were schwitzing. So again, like my Jewish, be, between being Ju- a Jewish mother and being from the Midwest, I, I can't help but get in the way. So I, mm. I said, please, I beg you, food is here. Please come sit. Well, we're almost at no, 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 please. It's it's been a long day. So, we don't realize is the sooner they get out, they're not getting paid by the hour. Well, maybe they are. But the sooner they get out, the sooner they move on to other things. Yeah, which is true. And I learned all about it when we sat down for a proper dinner. So um, it was very sweet. It was so nice. Like, I was like, please, come up, come eat. And they didn't just like grab a piece of pizza and go stand in the hall. Like, they got chairs because they're dignified human beings, not like me, who walks around with a slice doing God knows what. So I was like, oh, oh, sorry. Yes. No, absolutely. So we sat down. We got plate. We were chit-chatting. It was a little awkward at first because, again, I'm a heathen in a million ways. And I, you know, give every, serve everyone and I start to eat and I'm out of the corner of my eye. I feel like I see them like frozen, like not talking, not moving. And I'm like, uh, 
my lizard brain didn't realize, oh, yes, like a lot of dignified people pray before they eat. They don't oh, sure. just start digging in like a caveman like I do. Bless us so, with this pizza. Yes. So we had a lovely time and learned about them and their family and chit chatted. And then they finished up and took off and the place. It, it, it looked like a five star hotel. Now, we've been doing our best not to sully it, which has not been easy. No. But I mean, there's no dust in the room. I'm I'm in a room with no dust right now. This is the dust room. So it was just, it was awesome. Um, yeah, treat yourself to a once regular cleaning. It'll be shorter, cheaper, and frankly, you'll, you'll thank yourself. And that's the thing. Like, can I do like once a month? Th- that's, uh, that's, that's how I started off when I was 25. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a reasonable amount of time. Wait, when do you, how often do you have people come? Uh, she's here right now. She'll spend the night, get back to work in the morning. <laughs> this, is, this is Alice from the Brady Bunch. She's a live-in. <laughs> We're actually part of the Underground Railroad. We, uh, we mule people in from other countries. No, well, we do uh, once every two weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that seems a little rich for my blood right now. But yeah, I work, I I, I'm advising you to work your way up to it. Yeah, I could swing once a month, I think. Because yeah. the, the deep clean is, there's quite a price difference as there should be they're coming into a war zone Indeed. so now it'll be you know some light dusting and mopping i i guess i am not because i they came in like so what do you what do you want and i was like well what do you do what do you mean i'm like the worst trick from like a hooker like well, yeah. i don't know what do you do what's your fantasy to be left alone <laughs> for, for me to leave my fantasy is to have the countertops wiped down. Yeah. So, um, no, they, floors and surfaces are, are very typical. Um, uh, I like, I, I, I'm a, uh, I'm a spoiled boy. I like the, uh, creature comforts of them coming in and like folding laundry. And, oh, like, I didn't have bed. that. Are yeah, no, I, I, I do the laundry. Like I, I, I wash it and I dry right. it and I collect it and whatever, whatever, separate it and do the, the sheets, you know, strip the bed, wash right. the sheets. And then, you know, one of my least favorite chores to do from childhood was folding laundry. And so I've decided now in my adult years, I am done folding laundry. And obviously you have to do it sometimes. But, uh, you know, when the occasion presents itself, yes, the housekeeper will, that will fall under her duties. You can ask them that? I think it's pretty common. Most housekeepers like do laundry. I I go the extra step of having it all cleaned and ready to go for them. What about dishes? Yeah, um, unloading the dishwasher is. I wouldn't have a dishwasher. You got to do the dishes. Oh no! That that, then yes, that that should be part of their duty. Wow. Well, again, you how much you like doing dishes? You know what I mean. I don't. Then farm it out. Whoa! Doesn't it feel a little? hoity-toity, a little stuck up. Yes. Yeah, well, yes, in a sense it would, but I'm also not hovering over them, making sure they're doing a good job. Like, typically I'm not here. I'm doing some yeah. work or something. I'll go to the gym or doctor or whatever. And it's like, hey, do you have a key? Knock yourself out. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't Yeah, we've, we've had the same housekeeper for three, four years. Okay. Yeah, this is all very enlightening to me. I was just, they would ask me like before they'd leave a room like to come and check it. And I'm like, oh. if I if I had the ability to know whether it was done right or not, I would do it myself. Wouldn't be here. Wouldn't be in this situation. No. So yeah, everything was like just me, just like following them around, heaping praise on them. I think I can yeah. stand to dial it back a little bit. Oh, I like we did here. Looking good. 
Yeah, I said, whatever it is, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's great. Use um, it, please. Yeah, very. So uh, that was my weekend. <laughs> I was nice. Spent, the rest of the weekend was spent trying not to dirty up the things that were just cleaned. That's it's it. How much you are in tune with like, oh, I spilled a drop of this. I'll clean oh. it up right away. Or I have a, a dirty dish. I'll, I'll clean it right now. Like well, after the house gets clean, do you want oh. to keep it clean? Absolutely. And they did things that I thought were physically like like against the law of physics. Like, I wonder if they can, you know, like the sink has had a lot of wear and tear in the five years and now it's just tan. This thing is so sparkling coconut white. I can't even imagine what what toxins were inhaled to get that done. I have. Yeah, the windows hopefully were open. Ooh. Well, that's on them. I always yeah, tell I our housekeeper. Okay. I always tell our housekeeper because I know everybody well at this point. I'm like, open whatever windows you want, whatever doors you want. Turn the yeah. heater on. Turn the air. Well, depending on what season it is, help sure. yourself to whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I was following them around, like begging them to take drinks, and I think they were just like, "Yeah, okay." Like, can will it move you to another room if I take this? Yeah, they thought so- they were being uh, uh, camera recorded. <laughs> Yeah, I just I when in doubt, I go overboard and I could probably I could probably stand to, to pull it back a little bit. But it was fun. Well, you know what they say? Starve a fever, feed a housekeeper. <laughs> Thank you. I'll remember that for next month. The old so that was, yeah, that was the big weekend. Please, let's let's move on to the robustness. Oh, the the uh, the robustness that I am uh what time is it? Oh, perfect. The robustness that I want to make room for Matt Bellamy. The, uh, the robustness that I'm alluding to. So the the stars aligned. I, I don't know if you were aware, if you had the boy or if you were aware of this, but Friday, for some unknown reason, was a day off school. I believe oh, it was right. for Veterans Day. I think you're right. Up till this point, I've never seen Veterans Day given off, let right. alone unobserved Veterans right. Day because this is the 10th. So we have Veterans Day coming up, no school. Uh, it's on a Friday. Um, and uh, Tessa and uh, my wife, Christy, had uh, Disneyland annual passes oh, for the last boy. year. Christy has expired. Tessa is expiring in a few weeks, maybe. How'd and so, we did, what do you mean? How, were they not purchased together? No, they're actually purchased separately. So t- you can put Tessa on a shuttle bus and she can run out the rest of the week? She she could go by herself. I don't know how she would get herself there. Right. But okay. yes, we we took advantage. Well, we'll get there. Remind me. Um, yes. And so, turns out Chrissy learns because she follows the she follows dollar uh, the uh, Disneyland on a dollar all the Disneyland accounts yep. uh, and learned that uh, Friday coincidentally was going to be the first day that Disneyland had Christmas decorations up. Oh, they made boy. the transition. From uh, Halloween to Christmas. They made and the flip. We, we can't miss that. No. So we decided, well, we're going down to Disneyland. We're going to use that pass for expires. And we're going to see the holiday decorations on the first day they go up. And so Christy and, and Tessa had been to Disneyland probably six times over the last year. Wow. Of which I don't think I made it any time. It was always almost always on a weekday. Almost always a day of recording. Or all sick. three of you, all three of you are lucky. They got to go oh. six times and you didn't have to go. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, believe me, I won. Um, but this, you know, I'm feeling better and it, the timing worked out that I could go. And so I said, let's go. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, 
I did my daddy duties. I um I researched and booked a hotel across the street from Disneyland, maybe a block and a half away. Um, it was a newish hotel called The mm-hmm. Element, and okay. uh, it was I, I only mentioned it because this is a special surprise to our seven year old daughter. Her her idea of living luxury, like luxurious living, is um, stairs in the house. Yes. And a, bu- and a bunk bed. If you yes. have either of those, you are living large. Those are the two universal symbols of luxury. You're absolutely right. So I booked the uh, kids' room, which was a king size bed for mom and dad. And on the other side, uh, a uh, bunk bed for the kid or kids. Oh. And there is Tessa upon check in. She is so ex- nice. You notice she is her mother's daughter, yes. festooned, as I say, head to toe in gingerbread. It's freaking adorable. Um, yeah. Those she has Mickey Mouse ears, where each ear is its own Mickey Mouse gingerbread. So yes. two Mickey Mouse gingerbreads on her head. Did she opt for the upper or lower bunk? Upper bunk, of course. Don't be of silly. course, it was stupid. Uh, that is Christie's um, uh, ear set that you observed. Purchased. I don't know. Tessa was three, so this would have wow. been four years ago. Wow. I've not seen another one in any of our trips to Disneyland. And people wear, you know, it's, it's the thing. They just wear the, you know, whatever they got in right. terms of ears or decoration or whatever. Never seen another one of those. So I'm glad was, we got it when we did. That was pretty amazing. Pretty cute. And so we got there Thursday. We drove down for school from West LA. And of course, it's an hour and a half drive oh, sure. uh, just to Anaheim. But we get there. We check in. We let her jump on the bunk bed. And then we go to we walk across the street to downtown Disney, where we go to a Naples, which is the de facto, you know, pizza and pasta restaurant. Um, and a good time is had by all. Gary, I think there might be a uh, selfie from the nighttime of eating in Naples. It's not a here or there, but uh, yes, pizza was had. It was a good time. Salt and straw was uh, devoured. Oh, the best. oh, look at oh, this. Oh, yeah. There's us in salt wait, and straw. Wait, wait. The salt and straw, there are three very distinct facial expressions happening. Very <laughs> distinct. Now, I'm sure that this was just caught in a random moment, but Christy is ready for her selfie. Obviously, she's taking You know, it. she's you, wearing the ears. Yes. You don't have your glasses on and seem like you are picture ready. Tess is like, I'm trying to dive head first into this cone with ice cream yeah. all over her lips. Why are you doing this to me right now? She's upset that we interrupted her ice cream eating yeah. for a picture. I get it. I am probably, my mouth is probably frozen from the ice cream. And it was honestly a little bit cold. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see I'm wearing a hoodie there. Everyone's wearing sweaters or some version of thereof. Got a little bit cold at night. Not, uh, not uh, ashamed to mention. And you each got a different cone, which is fun. Uh, we yes, got a I got the waffle, cone, a sugar waffle, cone, and a waffle yes. bowl. Waffle dish, yeah, correct. Waffle bowl. So Friday night, I assume, was not going into the park. No, that uh, she could have. Tessa could have by herself. Oh, that's right. But we had, we had tickets for the next day, so we got up bright and early. The hotel has breakfast, which is a huge win. Yeah, we have a little bit of eggs, a little bit of you know whatever, and uh, head on over. We got there at like eight. Oh maybe 8 30 like really early oh. and uh you know got there and yeah there we are that's uh that's later in the afternoon with, with all the uh face paint that'll come in that'll Woo! come in at some point but we uh upon entering the park gina i swear to christ we're in there for less than five minutes and we're like oh let's take a family picture by the big christmas tree right which we do you know we crouch down with the tree sure. in the background it's enormous and all of a sudden yeah there we are 
and uh, upon entering the park, and all of a sudden, randomly bump into a a, high, a, 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 a friend I've known since childhood who I went <laughs> to college with. But it is the third time I have run into someone from my past at Disneyland. This gigantic. Wow thousands of literally thousands of people and i ran into this guy who i hadn't seen in years it was so nice to see him but what are the chances of that zero almost really i run into my aunt and uncle there one time from northern california they just happened to be there on vacation i ran into oh, our, our mutual friend florence brummer who was sure. there with her family r- randomly and again uh, this uh, pastime a uh, childhood friend wow that is that's your thing it really is weird at this point. I mean, three times yeah. in, you know, I, I, I've been 10 times in the last, you know, 10 years. If it's, if it, it would have been enough, Dianu, if they said, oh my God, you were there that day. We were there that day. But to actually bump into them is, is no easy feat. Yeah, crazy. So Disneyland was lovely. It was actually, if you remember, it was warm during the day on Friday. Mm-hmm. So we were able to enjoy ourselves. First thing we did I don't know, Gary, if there's a picture of this. I think there might be. First thing we did, made a beeline for Tessa's favorite ride, which is Thunder Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Oh, sure. The, the wildest ride in the wilderness. I don't know if you're aware of it. Wildest that. ride in the wilderness. Which I heard more than once. Yep. But uh, a good time is had by all. Um, it's Tessa's what were the, favorite what ride. Were the lines, you know, she loves it. What were the lines this early? Oh, yeah, there we are. That, that, that's uh, first thing in the morning. You can see the sun barely poking up over the horizon. Are we, is it already crowded? Are people already pushing and shoving at oh, 8 o'clock in the morning? I'm glad you asked. At this point, not too bad. However, this was, I, in my estimation, the busiest day I have, ex- I have encountered at uh, Disney. It was, cr- I mean, LAUSD is off school. We could have done the math. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's going to be a madhouse, plus the holiday. Plus mm-hmm. this Friday, it, it was crazy. It was the busiest day I've ever seen. Here's how we clocked it, how we knew it was really busy. Uh, when you look on the Disneyland app, which is very helpful and very robust, mm-hmm. um, it'll tell you the wait times with remarkable accuracy of like all the rides. And so we went on and we're looking at the rides and uh, Ariel's uh, Little Mermaid, whatever yeah. it's called, Ariel's Grotto, whatever it's called. It's normally a five-minute wait. It's one of yeah, the lesser. Yeah, it never stops. It's one of the lesser popular rides. You know, yeah. for, for little kids. Yeah, it's usually a five-minute wait, if that. Yeah. Sometimes, you, sometimes you can literally walk right in. It was a twenty-five-minute wait. So it, it was oh, do the math, you know, exponentially, and all the other rides. Can I just tell you because you said that um, my one experience with Ariel's Grotto or whatever it's called, it's in the other park, right? Or is yes, it in, in DC, DC, okay. California Adventure. The only time I've I've been on it once, and it broke down in the middle, and um, we were waiting and waiting and waiting in one of the, like the clamshells until finally, like a tech, like a, a, a supervisor came out with his tool belt and to fix it, but. You could tell mid-walk he forgot that he was ordered to remember that he's underwater because it's for Ariel. So he stopped, he sighed, he hung his head, and then he went like this. Oh, pretended he, walked, he pretended he was doing the breaststroke with oh, his like, no. tool belt on. That's my only memory of that ride. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's not, it's not much of a ride. Um, but we did... Uh... We did Lunge Carthay Circle, again, Dizzy on a California adventure, uh, which is lovely. Nice casual lunch. Uh, I think it's a picture of this, Gary. So, so the, the winter parade would have started right like that day, but that, that's a madhouse on a normal yep. day. Yep. We didn't want to you know, sit 12 people deep and watch this parade. 
So luckily, while we're sitting there for lunch, like a junior version of the parade comes right, right in Great. front of us. Great. Yeah, and we just kind of sat there and there you go. got to like high five, you know, characters and Goofy and uh, da- and uh, uh, Woody Pluto. and yeah, yeah, all everyone, everyone came yeah. by and you know did the Chip whole thing. And and it was nice because you know right there on the on the edge, no one's yep. in front of us. You know, it's a very casual uh, life hack if you want. If you don't want done to and done. Up. Whole yeah. parade. Jesse was so I was looking for. Jesse Aww. came by, gave Tessa a big high five. Yeah, we did a whole bunch of stuff. I will say this: back in the day, when you wanted to, yeah. Then okay, so put the uh, face painting picture up first, Gary, if you can. Tessa, you know, walking through DCA, she sees the face painter and decides, "Well, I must get this done." And so she is uh, fully adorned as a yes. uh, unicorn. And uh-huh. Chrissy's like, well, I have to, get, I have to get a gingerbread, of course. So G- Chrissy gets the gingerbread in her cheek. Now we have matching face painting, and the uh, yes, that picture there, Gary, is uh, the new behind them is the new San Francisco Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge from uh, from uh, Big Hero Six. Oh, huh? That's never thought. That only. Oh, really? That's a very yeah. fine movie. That's a fun okay. movie. Yeah, very fun. Uh, the this uh, this bridge, a takeoff on the Golden Gate Bridge, only got constructed. Uh, finished like maybe a month ago, if that. And so that's brand new. Lots of people wow. walked past there, and uh, we saw that in its full glory. Back in the day, I will give this life hack: if you wanted to shop for a stroller, if you were pregnant or expecting a baby or something, you'd go to Bed Bath Beyond and sure. see like this, you know, this uh, mess of strollers, you know, in, in the uh, in the lobby or whatever. Yeah. If you really want to see every stroller on earth and it's like it being used like it's supposed to be used, go to Disneyland. Yeah. There are there's stroller parking everywhere, yeah. like outside of like parts of the Caribbean, outside of small worlds. You will see every stroller that has ever been invented uh, right there uh, being used, uh, being put through its paces. Yeah. So that's a great way to figure out like which one really passes muster. And especially when people are hanging bags off of yeah. it and all oh, yeah. that stuff. Yeah. They're used. They're, yeah. They're, they're, they're loved. Well, and going, I, I, this, this might be considered skip me, skipping ahead. So, so stop me. But, um, the great thing about seeing the mini parade is, isn't the major parade, isn't that a great time to go ride rides? Yes, that, that that has been done before by us. Take advantage of the fact that sixty percent of the park yeah. attendees are literally gathered around this parade route, and they open up like the sides. You know what I mean, like behind the rides. Yep. So you can get up and down with relative ease. Yeah. Now, yeah. also speaking of this, this will I'll file under. Not that it's any of our business, um, but with all the uh, scammers and scandals out there, of uh, I need a special pass. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> please tell me at the very least you took advantage of something. Oh yeah, D- D- Disney Accessibility Services was uh, taken advantage of by me. I actually got a uh, scooter that day, which are nice. remarkably cheap to uh, rent. Mine was like 59 bucks. Uh, I use a scooter as I have in the past because uh, it's difficult for me. I can walk like to the ride, but yeah. like getting from one end of the park to the oh. other end of the other park is very difficult. Even In fact, even the evening that we got there, walking from the hotel yeah. to downtown Disney and back 
really took its toll like on my hip. My hip flexure was just so sore the next day. So yeah, the uh, the scooter and the DAS pass were uh, definitely definitely required. Did you give uh, Tessa? Did Tessa hitch a ride on the scooter? Couple of times, though it's not allowed. So we oh. had to kind of wait till we're like off to the side. You know what I mean? Sure. Like on our way to a different land, like sure. from uh, a frontier land to to, to like uh, Galaxy's Edge. Got it. Now, yeah. did you do uh, the the Rise of the Republic? I've never done it. I no, in fact, this is the first time I haven't done it since oh, we've wow. been going. But it was it was too busy. It was too much. It was yeah. too. Yeah, it, it was it was it was a lot. Got it. Yeah, so what are the, the other? Yeah, the picture he just put up, that is in Dallas, uh, Disney California Adventure. Yeah. And that is Star-Lord and Gamora from uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. They did a full-on like skit, right? A full-on like, dancing and singing like skit, uh, which was very fun. Tessa enjoyed. They got the crowd to follow along and dance. And she danced oh, and funny. got a high five from Gamora. It was good stuff. And uh, yeah, Gary, what else do I have in terms of uh, pictures? Well, but I'm while done. he's looking at that, I remember when it switched from Tower of Terror to the the Galaxy Guardian of the Galaxy. Oh my god, that picture is too much. It's too cute. Yes, I um, found actual gingerbread. Good gingerbread, by the way. It's soft, not hard. You think not gingerbread that is brittle. hard? Yeah, well, the stuff you make houses with, like the stuff yeah. you want to eat, is like soft. So many good tips because I thought, isn't it supposed to be like a crackly and brittle and crack your tooth? No, no. what it's am I fine, at? But so Disneyland does this thing every holidays where they have like I don't know eight or ten holiday churros, and they're all throughout the parks. There's like one stand that has one churro, another stand that has mm-hmm. another churro. This was the. Um, Oh, well, this is the almond, almond and something, almond like sugar, uh, a churro, which they broke in half and uh, put almonds on, drizzled sugar on it. And it's one of their uh, holiday signature churros. What did we think of that? That was a real sugar attack. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't need that much sugar. So having a few bites was like, wow, that really got me. Tessa was in heaven, of course. Sure. What are sure. the, especially with a kid, what are the can't miss rides? It depends on your kid. I know kids of Tessa's age, like her friends, who don't like the rides. You know what yeah. I mean? They won't go on any of them. Tessa's a bit of a daredevil, and she loves going on. So what do we do? There's interactive rides, right? So there's like Spider-Man's Web Slingers. So you're shooting. You're in like you're in an aerial style clamshell right. type thing, but it it's got a it's got like a blaster. No, sorry, Web Slingers has a screen. With with like spider bots on them, right. and you're supposed to like fling your webs at them, and like and it's interactive. Did that take over like the Toy Story one? Because isn't that what the Toy Story one is? No, they still have that. We didn't do oh. it this time, okay. but they also have Astro Blasters in the main campus yeah. where you shoot the blaster, and it's I think it's Buzz Lightyear's yes. Astro Blasters, and you shoot. Um, I don't know, it was Zork or something. So she likes the interactive stuff. I, I yeah. imagine still much too young for Space Mountain and that kind of thing. We did Space Mountain one time with her like maybe a year ago and she wasn't into it. It was yeah. too fast, too loud, too dark. Um, what about that Tiana's Splash Mountain or whatever it's called? Not open yet. Not oh, open, it's not. not. Now, it's going to be open soon. You can, see, you can see that it's like almost ready. Um she didn't love the Matterhorn one time, too rickety, too herky jerky. Nobody likes it. And you have to ride by yourself, which for a then five or six year old was a little much. 
Wait, I remember you sit in like in between someone's legs on the matter. Uh, not now. Really? No, the, the toboggan. Like, yeah. No, the toboggans are like single rider. Huh. I always, that must be different. Also, I read on a Disney blog that, and I, I wish I remembered which one was which, but like the left side or the right side, when you get on the Matterhorn, one is markedly smoother oh, really? than the other, but I can't uh, remember which one. <laughs> no, you <laughs> like might, you, that might be true. Yeah, I think you got on the wrong one. Um, but uh, she likes she likes lots of rides. So do, um, does she still have the nostalgia? Please God, that kids aren't ruined and still appreciate it's a small world. That was closed. What? Believe for I think they switch over everything for like holiday stuff, oh. and that could not be done in one night. So that Understood. was closed. She, uh, what, what did we do that she loved? It was the um, it was I forgot what it was. Can I guess? Oh no, no. You know what she did uh, one time when I was not there. But I was shocked. Was the Incredicoaster, the giant roller coaster? Oh, in in California Indeed. Adventure, that's a huge effing yes, ride. That's like a for real, like roller, like theme park roller coaster. There are multiple adults I've been there with that will not go on that. So that's amazing. I, um, I probably wouldn't do it. I have had a long storied fraught relationship my entire childhood and into adulthood with Mickey's Haunted Mansion, where oh, she was Haunted at. So it's um. It's all switched over for Jack Skellington. It's right. all my birthday Christmas. She loves it. We did that. That was a good time. Um, but yeah, I know we did pirates. I know kids that won't do pirates because of the really? drops. Oh, yeah. But I guess that's the thing. But uh, I used yeah, to, when, we, yeah. when we'd fly out here from Kansas to go to Disneyland when I was little, I'd beg, you promise we, we won't have to go in the scary chairs. And they'd go, yeah, 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 whatever. And oh, that's then the Mansion. we'd end up on the Haunted Mansion. I'd be screaming bloody murder, which I guess it's, is where you're supposed to scream. It's funny. True. Yeah. They, they yeah. accomplished his mission in that case. Yeah. No, it's fun because it's all changed over to Jack Skellington right. and it's themed. So, you know, good time. Well, I, I think it changes over for Jack Skellington and Halloween. So they could just kind of let that ride through January. That's probably true. Although, well, so here's the only thing I'm thinking. It's it's like Jack Skellington, but the Christmas Christmas version of Jack. You know what I okay. mean? Like it's a because, lot of because you'll hear like the this is Halloween. This yeah, is yeah, Halloween. none of that. Got it. So I wonder it's if they tweak. Of, What's it? this? There's white stuff in the air. What's this? Da, 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 yes, da, da, da. I wonder if they tweak it. You know what I mean? Yeah, From like I'm Halloween sure. to Christmas. I'm sure they That's do. Something. Does Christy? I can imagine Christy being the one who essentially takes on the role as tour guide and tells you all like the little like the the park's history and like little places to look for Easter eggs. I can imagine Christy doing that. You're close. Um, she will. She will be the um, the keeper of the schedule, and like you know, she'll make a reservation for the next ride or whatever it is. Or you know, I made I made like uh, lunch reservations, but she's like constantly on there. Like, oh, if you want a snack, got to order ahead of time so it's ready for you or whatever. So she is the uh, she she's cracking the whip. That's the thing. I don't want to be that person, and in my house i am defaulted to that role i don't want to do that i don't want to be the i don't know how to order a snack on my phone i haven't been there since i haven't been able to hand handle hand over a couple of coins for a sandwich those days are long gone the last time i was there gary if you could tell us when 
Guardians of the Galaxy premiered instead of, you know, when they flipped it from Tower of Terror, because I think that was the last time I was there. I was there on Radio Row at like six in the morning. We were doing a live broadcast for Mark in the Morning. For, and we were the first ones to go on the ride. It was really, really fun. I think that was okay. May 27th, 2017 is probably the last time I was at Disneyland. Oh, wow. Which is sad. That's oddly precise. Yeah, according to Gary. So, um, and and that was the time. It was great. We got to stay at, uh, the, what's the big one that looks like the Awani and the Grand Canyon? I'm oh, not there's, the, uh, there's, uh, is it, there's our pier? or No, no, no the, the hotel. Yeah, the, yeah. The, there's the Grand California. That's the which one. Is, which, but that's woodsy. That's like... Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. It oh. was like the Awani from the Yosemite National Park. Oh, yeah. It's, got, that's, an, that's an awesome place. We oh. went there and like sat by the fire it's and like beautiful. the whole thing. We got yeah. to spend the night there and they had like Christmas carols and stuff and walk us VIP right uh, through uh, California Adventure and then stayed at the park and had the best time. And I think in the last six years, I'm like, well, I'm not going to beat that. Well, so we just- discovered, speaking of which... That in the California Adventure, excuse me, in the uh, Grand Californian lobby is where the actual VIP desk is. So uh, if you're if you're spending the real bucks for like a tour guide or whatever, that's where you go to meet your guide. I see. That makes sense because that's where we met our guide. And again, I, I, I that service is unmatched, and I don't have the ducats to match it again. Yeah. So- it, it, it's flex price. We we may have talked to the person who was working the desk. It's flex pricing, usually between five and seven hundred bucks an hour yeah. for a seven hour minimum. Yeah, so and, do the math. I was, but the, plus a tip. You know, you and, can figure it's going to cost and I think you can, bucks. And you can, I think, have ten people. I've looked into this as well. But if you even ten people, like. I don't know anyone who can afford like, yeah, I'll, I'll throw in 700 bucks for my day at Disneyland without the price of the ticket and the food. That's yeah, that's sweet. wild. Yeah. So Plus, 10 people means mostly kids. They're not paying per person. So every family is paying 2000 bucks. I told my husband, I said, if we were going to do something like this, it's Willy Wonka rules. One kid brings one parent. You can't bring your four kids or whatever. Yeah. One kid, one parent, Willy Wonka rules. Grandpa Joe and that's it. That's right. So uh, good. Okay. I like this. I like that it was, so it was just the big Saturday was the big day at the park. You didn't have to go back Sunday, did you? No, we left Saturday night and uh, spent the night down there with the family uh, at the in-laws on, in Balboa, uh, Balboa Island, because uh, we had to help them uh, move some furniture for the next day for some workers to come. It was a good day. Gary, do I have any other pictures? I'm sorry. This is uh, very ad hoc, so it's on me, not Gary. But any pictures we didn't uh, didn't go over? I He says we oh, covered good. it. Oh, I love yeah, that, that This is This is great. This is the last picture. This is our way out of the park. You can see the base paint. You can see the uh, tree is all lit up. It's cold. We're wearing beanies. It was, a, uh, it was a good day ahead by all. I love that. And I love that you were able to get into the holiday spirit with a little bit of a nip in the air. I hope that you're going to side by side the picture from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, both <laughs> in the same angle of the tree. That's not bad. I think I feel, I, feel, I feel like Gary can do that pretty easily. I mean, I could do that on pick collage. Yeah, that's seconds. true. That's true. Um, yeah, I I love that. I'm so happy. Yeah, that. Yeah, it's so cute. But look at us. Look at us, full of hope. <laughs> and nobody, I am seeing the the end of the day faces, and nobody. I'm not reading on anyone's face that you're trying to conceal any major family blowups. No, in fact. That's crazy. So none of us are beleaguered. None of us are, uh, you know, beaten down by yeah. life. 
we were there for probably 13 hours, like from 8 Oofa. till 9, 8 a.m. till 9 p.m. It was a long day, but uh, it was a successful day in the sense that no meltdowns, you know, no, uh, we did, we, at this point, we're pretty good. Well, Tess is, you know, seven now, so she's never really in meltdown mode right. as much. But also we're good with like strategic breaks, you know, meals, snacks, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. So, uh, yeah, you work those in. Those are like strategically timed and you have yourself a good day. That's so smart because I have a kid in this house and I'm the same way. It's like, go, 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 get it all done, get it all done. We don't want to miss anything. And by the time we realize it, our blood sugar is at zero. We're mad. We're exhausted. So the fact that this was all factored in is is genius. Yeah. And the fact that they've been so many times, yeah. there's, le- there's less FOMO, right? There's less right. like, oh, no, we didn't do this. Oh, no, we didn't do that. It's like, all right, we did the last time. We'll do it again next time. That's So are we re-upping our passes? The plan is no. Now, we'll okay. see if that uh, survives the holidays. But uh, the plan is, is no for now. Well, because I asked. Yeah. It's expensive. And honestly, right. it's funny because Christy and I are like, well, we did use the passes a lot, but at the same time, do you use them because you have them, right? That's like, what I was going to time. It's sort of a catch-22 because it's like, of course you have to use the passes. You, you paid for them. I will say that we use the nice um, ancillary benefit that we use Tesla's pass for a lot this last trip. Discounts on food, right? 20% off at restaurants, free parking. Like all that stuff adds up. Oh, so if sure. You're, if you're getting the full value out of it, you know, you're getting more than, you know, face value. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why, you know, that like you guys, the three of us doing season passes to Universal, which is right down the street, was the one of the greatest Christmas presents we gave, you know, ourselves gave to the family because, sure. you know, these boys will go after school. Um, yeah. And I asked my stepson, I go, are we as though he has a, you know, a say in this as though he has any money? I go, are we getting passes for next year? And he was like, yes. What do you mean? Are we getting? Why? Why would you not? Yeah, he loves it. It's so it's easy. It's right here. Um, So I get it. But Disneyland is much more of a financial and geographical commitment. Yes, for sure. Anaheim is not close. No, and if in the middle of the night, if you're racing to Anaheim, you could. It's like forty minutes. That is not normal. Hour and a half is about right for you to get down there. Um, Well, I do know. I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you know off the top, like ballpark off the top of your head, how much does the 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 Universal Pass set you back? Hold on, I could look it up right now. I think I got them. I got them either through Costco or AAA, which knocks like twenty bucks off of each ticket. It's something. I don't recall, but I'm guessing it's probably half the price of Disney. But Disney, the one, the the top tier, because there's a few different tiers. Yeah. The ones with like no blackout dates and right. all that shit. It's it, it was, if I recall correctly, last time it was like eighteen hundred bucks. What per per pass? Uh, and you still have to buy tickets, not for the pass holder, but for the people going with them. I think that is shocking. Yeah, it's really expensive. Hence why I'm like, you know, we can probably go with that this year. Okay, so I'm looking at Universal right now. And yes, there are different tiers. Um, so yeah, for California resident pass, it's 179 Oh my God, it's literally 10%. Yes, but if you, the platinum annual that probably has no blackout dates is 629 
Okay. If you really, so what I, what we do, if I can give a little hint, this is what everyone needs to do. I think what we ended up doing is silver passes, just because those were the black, the black days that worked for us. There's platinum, gold, silver, California, and then just one day, which doesn't make any sense because one day is like 150 and the yeah, year is just five in. Yeah. So, um, so we all got silver passes, but we were paying $30 to park like multiple times. Oh, really? Oh, see, that's multiple funny. times a week. So we, after about 180 bucks, Andy was like, you know, one of us really should have a gold pass because that includes parking. <laughs> so now yep. we do two silvers and one gold and that pays for parking. That's good. That's like our health insurance. Well, one really good program and the rest, you know, middle of the road. Well, I think uh, I think we get to talk to Matt for a few minutes. So should we take a break and then we'll yeah. join, have him join us? Break time now. Matt Bellany next, right after this. All right, let's welcome to the show once again, show favorite, Matt Bellany. How are you, Matt? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I should properly introduce you, Matt Bellany of Puck News. Uh, when is the uh, newsletter go out? Sundays? Sundays and Thursdays. Nice. Just, yeah, perfect timing to make my life miserable. <laughs> uh, but but people like reading stuff on Sunday nights, so uh, it's it's Good. we serve the audience. All right, buddy. Good to know. Uh, so Matt is uh, the former editor of The Hollywood Reporter, still uh, plugged in very much to Hollywood, has all the inside information. And uh, I would like to know, Matt, first and foremost, the biggest news of the day, uh, the strike strikes got resolved. I'd like to know what happened, what was the tipping point, maybe who won, who lost, was there a winner, was there a winner, did we all lose? What, uh, what do you know? I think we all lost collectively. Sure. Um, you know, by the estimates out there, anywhere between 6.5 on the high end, 5 billion on Oof. the low end in terms of economic loss to the state of California, probably more when you factor in everything else outside sure. of the, I mean, the Hollywood productions go on all over the world and having none of them for about six months, nothing scripted at least, has really caused a lot of people a lot of damage. But the unions themselves have touted some pretty significant gains. Now, it sort of depends on which side of the pendulum you're on, but at least according to both the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild, um, SAG-AFTRA, they say that they have gotten historic wage increases. The, The actors themselves... In the first year of this new deal, they're getting a 7% basic wage increase. So that means the lower end for actors. We're not talking about the stars. No. We're talking about the rank and file, lower end, guy on a show. He is getting a 7% increase in the first year, smaller increases then. Writers and directors got a 5% increase, which, you know, you can argue whether that's great or not. Cost of living obviously has gone up a lot in the last three years. But it is something. They also right. got some some protections against AI. That's the big that. one, yeah. Which is the big one and is pretty controversial, at least on the actors' front. The writers, the writers was less controversial. They got you know the ability to get paid and credited on scripts, even if AI is involved. They got some protections against their work being used to create AI-driven scripts. Right. Uh, but the studios did get some leeway to experiment at least and to utilize technology. We have no idea where any of this stuff is going. So everyone is trying to protect themselves uh, without really knowing that. And you lead to 
this is one of the reasons why it took so long to resolve this standoff is because everyone's so nervous about giving up any ground that could potentially subsume the entire profession or on the studio side that could prevent them from competing with companies that are outside the entertainment industry and don't have to deal with unions. So that was the reason it took so long. But on the actor front, it's controversial because while the union did get this consent and compensation scheme for whenever an actor's look and performance is used in AI to create either themselves or another AI-generated actor, the knock on it is that it doesn't ban the practice. Mm. Studios can still do this stuff. And the thinking is like, okay, if you have to get consent, well, you could just make consent the condition of employment. Mm. You have to put, you have to sign this form in order to get the job. Of course. And then you've essentially waived all your rights and your, you know, your doppelganger can star in movies for 30, 40 years after you're long yeah. gone. Right. Um, so that, you know, that's, they didn't get everything they wanted. The union's response to that is that it's, it's pretty unrealistic to put a total clamp on technology. Everybody who fights technology tends to lose. Right. So they're really not trying to stop AI. They're just trying to protect their members so they could potentially get paid and have to uh, offer consent in order for this to be used. Uh, What about... Sorry, let me just ask you, because I, I this became sort of the boogeyman example that was going around of like background actors being scanned in and then used in perpetuity in other background roles. So is that also what we're talking about? Because that was the that was the the mythical creature, you know, that that was kind of up front in this. Yeah, there there is a consent and con- compensation requirement for many of those actors. There are exceptions and we'll see how that applies across the board. But for the most part, um, they did get at least some guardrails around that practice. Okay. Um, So that's part of that. That's part of that. It's the more interesting part is the, they call them schedule F actors who are people that are higher earning, meaning they're not minimum, they're higher earning Mm. actors. And they did, they, that was where they, they were, they were fighting over the notion of a synthetic actor created by using the persona and likeness of an existing actor. So like a, you know, you combine the the great qualities of Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and Leo DiCaprio into wow. one Gina, super calm down. actor. Oh, I know. <laughs> into one super actor that has like Leo's eyes, but you know, whatever. And they they weren't able to totally prohibit that practice. So the notion of the Franken actor coming to life soon is still real. It's just a matter of getting compensation and credit. Now, obviously, those are big stars. So they're going to have their own representatives right. to step in and say, okay, you want Leo for a movie? You're going to have to agree to the following AI language. And his, he's never going to be part of some Franken actor with Brad Pitt. So right. th- they have more leverage, but it's that middle ground, middle class actor who has enough juice to get paid a little bit more, but not enough juice to prohibit some of this stuff. That's what they were fighting over. 
That's interesting. So Matt, you would know more about this than I would. Full disclosure, Matt has a law background, but there was a landmark case with Back to the Future 2 where they wanted to use Crispin Glover's likeness because he was being a pain in the ass and wouldn't come back for the sequel. But they're like, we need your character to be Marty McFly's dad, George McFly, and thus we're going to use a likeness or whatever. And I believe he sued in one uh, like this uh, uh, case that was really a landmark uh, case in Hollywood history. Yes, and but the key fact there is that it was not in his contract that they right. could do that. Well, they would have no way of knowing that they it had no done. way of knowing exactly. But now maybe a studio lawyer would be smart enough to put that in the contract, and if Crispin Glover doesn't have the leverage to excise it, perhaps he would waive that right in the future. Now. That's there are protections against some of that, the consent and compensation part of it, but it all comes down to whether the actor has okayed it. Sure. But like you said, like you said, it's like a it's like a non-disclosure agreement or, you know, some like, hey, you take the money and you're quiet now. You know, it's almost that sort of blackmail bribery combo of don't sign it, sign it, whatever. But you're not working on this project if you don't Mm -hmm. consent. And, And as as you guys probably know. The studios make deals with actors at the time when the actor has the least amount of leverage. Of course. They do a test deal. You're one of five. You're one of five actresses we're seeing for this role. Everybody has to sign a test deal before they even audition for the role, just in case you get it. And then all of those terms will apply to your job on this show. So you have not only are you desperate for a job, you know you are one of five choices for the job right. and you have to sign that deal or you walk away from the job. It's not right. like you get it. They decide that they want you and then they negotiate. Sometimes that's hap- that happens as well. But often, especially on TV shows, you are testing with the deal already done. It's so crazy. It's like it sounds like we're talking about bidding on somebody redoing the driveway. Like who's going to come in the least and that's who we're going to pick. Like what are we even talking about? That's not how this is supposed to be done. Well, this is listen, the test deals have been a long tradition in Hollywood. In pilot season they argue, you know, the old days when they would make 100 pilots every mm-hmm. spring, it was just a matter of uh forms. And mm-hmm. you know, for logistical sake, they just needed everybody to sign this deal. Because they didn't have time to do all these deals. Right. Like they make fewer pilots now, but it's it's when the studios have the most leverage. That's when they want to make this happen. That's and honestly, the only guardrail against that are these talent guilds who yeah. have a lot of power. And we saw this summer they're able to shut down the industry if they don't like the terms that are offered. So Matt, I, I'm gonna pitch this to you, Jeannie. You might you might oh remember God. this from the old days. I used to I used to come, this idea. I think is genius, and I'm I'm flabbergasted why studios wouldn't do this. And I feel like there has to be some legal roadblock. You mentioned a hundred pilots back in the day. You know, the studios would make a lot of pilots and choose seven to go on the air or less or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. My point is, these studios. These television networks are sitting on a repository of 500 pilots from back in the 80s and 90s, you know, featuring a then unknown George Clooney, a then unknown Jennifer Aniston, on and on and on and on. Hollywood history, literary capture on film. Why are these not available to be viewed? Why can they not say, oh, here's a pilot starring a young Leonardo DiCaprio that never made the air? Wouldn't that be interesting to see? 
There's got to be would. a legal roadblock. There, there, there is. There are many different uh, agree like the 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 agreements that you sign, the test deals. I believe, and I'm not 100 percent certain on this because there are probably exceptions, but there are um, there are protections against the use of the materials if they do not air on the uh. network, and and somebody. The studio that produces the show will have the rights to them, but I believe they have to go back to you if the if your if your option is not exercised. And this came up recently. I had a conversation with Warren Littlefield, who was at NBC in the nineties. Yes. And he told the story about the OJ pilot that they made. Oh. They made a pilot with OJ Simpson the year before. Oh. The murders in Brentwood. Oh, they're going to say after because that'd be in poor taste. No, that that would be in very poor taste. <laughs> a year or two before, and the subject it was OJ leading like a SWAT team like group. Yes, where, I kind of remember this. I remember yes, and, this. and there is there was a scene in the pilot where he holds a knife, and they knew that if that ever aired, it would generate so much <sighs> interest and ratings that they used it as a leverage point in the TV industry when other networks were considering moving their shows opposite big NBC. They would say, you know, we have this thing that we could air opposite home improvement or and it would destroy you. Now, what he told me was that they were bluffing because they didn't have the rights Mm. to air it. And the, the, no one else knew this, but they yeah, but they had actually, they had it. They had the thing. They had it, and this was pre-internet, so it wasn't like they could just leak it online. They had it, and they were saying that they would air it on TV, but they actually didn't have the rights to air that pilot, and that pilot has not aired anywhere. Since. I actually asked him where it is. He's like, he's like, it's never airing. Yeah, it's buried somewhere with the day the clown <laughs> cried. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Maybe the real, maybe the real killers have it. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we're if we're kind of just picking your brain on sort of rapid fire stuff, no pressure if you don't know about this because I am just seeing the headlines and and still very confused. It looks like there's been an update. Do you know anything about this John Cena Acme situation? This sure. Acme, okay, because. First, it was they shelved it. And now they're taking a loss, and you know these horrible companies. And now I see a headline that says, you know, internet anger is saving this movie. Can you tell us about this whole thing? It's it's fairly simple. What has been happening at Warner Brothers is their parent company is under tremendous financial pressure because of a series of bad mergers. They have a ton of debt, and they are cutting costs wherever they can. And there are financial benefits to not releasing a finished film. Now, it's often described as tax credits. It's not really that. There are, it's basically when you write down the loss on the movie and yeah, you can, take can a save a little bit. Yeah. But what happened last year, and you probably read about it, was two movies, Batgirl and then a Scooby Doo sequel. They were essentially yeah. scrapped and they were almost finished, not totally finished. And they essentially said, we're not going to release these. Um, these are, you know, both movies that are not, we, they didn't say it outright, but they basically said they're not very good yeah. and they they would take a financial benefit from not releasing it. There was all sorts of outcry. The creators were, you know, because obviously no director of a film wants to be tarred with that, you know, negativity of having an unreleasable film. Your film's too bad to be right. seen. Yeah, exactly. Please fire me yeah. from the director of the movie that was so bad you can't watch it. 
And so, all the actors. I mean, poor Batgirl. Exactly. And these were big, yeah, these were big stars that were in Batgirl. Yeah. Brendan Fraser and Michael Keaton and like big, big yeah. names. And it was also the first DC movie with a Latina star. Oh, so boy. there was outcry over that. That all Yeah. So, so cut to a year and a half later, they have this Looney Tunes movie called Coyote versus Acme, which is a live action CGI hybrid, sort of like Space Jam, but it's right. based on the Wiley Coyote cartoon and john cena is the star time and, reference yes and uh the the, the lebron space jam brian okay no, yeah that's where i was going with that no no yeah the lebron space jam. oh yeah, yeah. But, which by the way rescue, my kid loves rescue rangers oh yeah they, it, it's on it's on constant rotation our house know, as well i know yeah for some reason he loves it so yeah. uh so they had this movie and all of a sudden they decided that it was not going to get released it was originally greenlit for the streaming service for Max. And that was at a time a couple of years ago when everybody was making stuff just for the streaming service. Right. They could not produce content fast enough because they were trying to generate subscribers to compete with Netflix. So a $70 million movie was greenlit for the streaming service. Then this new regime comes in a year and a half ago and says, you know what? We're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to make expensive movies just for streaming. So all of our movies are going to go to theaters. And Warner's was like, okay, then we'll put the Coyote movie in theaters. So then they started to get second thoughts about that. People internally at the studio said, uh, we don't know how theatrical this is. It wasn't greenlit mm-hmm. for that. We we feel it's a risk. Now, the filmmakers who have gone public on social media say it tested well, tested in the 90s, they say. I've heard some people at the studio question that. <laughs> but there's a dispute about whether the movie is good or bad. And Warner's, regardless, decided they were just not going to release it. Then all hell broke loose. The filmmakers went public. The online community Mm -hmm. outraged. And over this past weekend, I reported in my Puck newsletter that they had reversed course, that they are going to let the filmmakers shop the movie to other studios. They're not going to release it themselves. But if they can find another streamer, whether it's Netflix, Amazon, Apple, somebody else, to pay Warners enough to make them whole, that they are going to let them shop it elsewhere. And this movie may wow. still be seen. And that's why the internet community is saying that, you know, bullying works. We've, we yeah. shame them. Dude, the internet well, is undefeated. That's exactly. I mean, it, this is like the internet has made it this power to the people scenario where it just looks too bad to ignore the people online. Okay. But I, but that's, that's one element of it. I think the other element is that the creative community within Hollywood, including the talent agencies that represent these filmmakers, they also mm-hmm. represent a lot of other people that Warner brothers would like to be in business with. Got and it. if it is made clear to these executives that this decision is going to hurt their chances of working with the other people they want to work with. That's another piece of leverage. And that's something that goes on behind the scenes that the internet is not going to take credit for. <laughs> oh, they're going to take them. credit for it. <laughs> they can't. Yeah. They shouldn't take credit for it. Yeah. I guess. So Matt, I don't know how much you know about this. I recently saw uh, for the first time Sound of Freedom, which was uh, the uh, very popular, somewhat controversial movie from the summer that is uh, maybe being released around Christmas, made a lot of money in the box office, a surprise hit. Um, I don't know how much you know about the model on which they made all their money. I'm, I'm curious what the controversy is or how, the, how it became a phenomenon. And uh, what, what is the holdup with streaming? Because it feels like 
the iron was hot for this movie around, I don't know, August or something. And then it kind of went away. Was there some dispute over who had the rights? Uh, no, I mean, this, this, the company that released it is called Angel Studios. And it's an interesting company. They previous in a previous incarnation, they were one of those companies you may have heard of where they would sanitize Hollywood movies. Yes, um, yes this was a thing like 10 years ago where huh. faith based distributors would take Hollywood movies and they would like sanitize the swear words and nudity and stuff out of them. And this Hollywood studios and filmmakers got very upset about that and sued them. And in many cases, one, because obviously they own the copyright in these films right. and you can't just delete swear words. Martin Scorsese does not intend his films yeah. to be they, released without every single swear word in them. They released so, a 17 minute version of Goodfellas. Right. Exactly. Something like that. Um, but the they morphed into this other company called Angel Studios, and it's essentially a crowdfunding model. If they have ideas for films, they put it out to a group of what they call their angels, which are people like a thousand or, or two thousand people that are willing to put in money for projects that they would like to see made, and they essentially get part of the budgets for their movies from their audience and then they raise money and fund the rest of the movie themselves. But then when they are about to release them, they have this army of people out there that are there to kind of evangelize about the movie. And this was just a word of mouth grassroots hit. It came out. It's about child trafficking, which has tenors of like the QAnon conspiracy theory, Mm -hmm. where there's this cabal of people that are conspiring to traffic children and it's got it's sort of QAnon adjacent the filmmakers in the studio will say we had no idea about that we are not QAnon we are not that but QAnon people love this movie even if the filmmakers don't love QAnon well I didn't see it but is the word adrenochrome in the movie at any I don't know what that is I did not see it either I have seen it no that does not make an appearance okay Uh, but but the other thing that that I've heard about this movie is it's actually good like I have relatives who've seen it and they they found it's a solid three-star movie Right. Yeah, exactly. it's it's above average. It's well made, and it's it's by no means schlocky. You know, there's some yes. clumsy moments, but it's it's a perfectly acceptable movie. And at the end of the movie, there is a direct plea from the stars to what they called "pay it forward." Yes, meaning you could donate money for other people to see the movie. And this is a strategy that has been tried in 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 ways before, but not as directly like this, where the stars are saying, if you like this movie and you like the message of this movie, give us a hundred dollars and we will make sure that it pays for tickets for other people to see it. And then they use that and they would invite church groups or, you know, uh, retirement communities or other community groups to come see the movie and it's paid for. So this is basically like, you know, $15 will serve, you know, 10 families on Thanksgiving, but they're taking that model, but putting it in the, for the movies. It's kind of brilliant. Yeah. And there was some controversy around it because it was unclear whether the whether people were actually seeing it or whether the tickets were being purchased. And like there were some empty theaters in some right. locations because there was nobody, you know, they, they bought all these tickets, but then people either didn't show up or That's maybe right. one out of five showed up, something like that. But I've also heard from other distributors saying, no, no, that was sort of overstated. A lot of people did show up when these tickets went out. And then a lot of people told their friends and it became a movement 
because of that. Yeah, I'm sure it's regional too. I'm sure that strategy played well in certain parts of the country versus others. Totally. And you know, you don't get to 244 million worldwide with with just a gimmick. The movie has right. to deliver. And for yeah. a certain audience, the movie did deliver. And then it had this quirky strategy behind it that allowed people to essentially show their fandom by paying for other people to see it. Do you think we're going to see more of that in mainstream? I mean, GoFundMe and stuff is so prevalent. I mean, the, the idea is out there that if you want it, you pitch in for it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know a lot of studios are looking at this model and saying, OK, how can we essentially copy it? Right. Um, it works a lot better with movies that are in the faith community where there is an infrastructure of church groups and faith-based right. organizations to kind of get that word out. Right. Um, and it, and it was positioned as like a, um, kind of an outsider movie. Like, I don't think if, you know, Brad Pitt comes on at the end of the latest Brad Pitt thriller and says, <laughs> if you like this movie, yeah. you know, pay a hundred dollars. So other, I don't think people are going to get no. involved yeah. in that. We um, trust but, me. We they learned that the hard way with The Rock and Oprah asking for money for Hawaii. So exactly. you're right about that. Yes, exactly. But for certain types of movies where there's a social cause behind them, I could see it maybe working with them, something like the the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary. Remember when that was a hit in right. theaters? RBG. Right. Like I could see, you know, I could see women's groups and young girls groups. Like if you would like to donate for young girls to be able to see this movie, you can give it this address or something like that. I could see working, yes. um, but but it works much better with the faith based movies. Yeah, I can see that. That totally makes sense. And I do say I I, I loved when uh, Tom Cruise came on screen for Maverick and and had a little private chit chat with the audience about how real everything was. That was great. He didn't. That ask was anything. fun. But I don't yeah. need that in front of every movie. They're, right. they're doing it too much now. <laughs> well, I'll yeah, tell you I mean, what. I, I'll tell you yeah, what movie you wouldn't work for is the Marvels. That movie is, there's not a lot of real stuff going on on the screen. It's effectively an animated film. So, so you yeah, actually saw it. I saw it. And I describe it as a good, bad movie. Like, there are fundamental problems with the movie that cannot be fixed with any kind of editing or, or whatever. Like, the movie's just poorly conceived in some ways. At the same time, it's fun. It's a fun movie. I don't feel like I wasted an hour and 40 minutes. Like uh, there's enough jokes and silliness going on that I was entertained. You know, it's not a great movie. It's not, I don't even think it's a good movie, but uh, it was uh, not a waste of time. Is the it more is it more that it's commenting on itself? Was it kind of cheeky? No, no. It was much more innocent than that. It was oh, much okay. more like dude, cats eating people, you know, like with their okay. giant tentacles and stuff like that. So just silliness. But Matt, I know that the the box on I hate I really hate talking box office, but it is the story of this movie. What is going on with Marvel? Why are they are they regrouping, reteaming? What is their strategy going forward? Well, Marvel is at a real crossroads here. They have had a strategy over the past three or four years of flooding the zone. Mar Marvel is essentially an always-on franchise now. Between the Disney Plus shows, doing three movies a year. Um, it's it's a lot. And what we are seeing, and it's not just Marvel, DC is having this problem too, is real superhero fatigue from the audience. It, it's not that superheroes are dead or even dying. It's just that the mainstream audience is pulling back a little. And mm. it's execution dependent. 
People will not see your superhero movie just because you put it in theaters. It's got to justify itself. And a lot of these movies this year just have not. I mean, The Flash is a perfect example. It was a fine movie, but it didn't It didn't. I thought it, was, I thought it was actually okay. Yeah, I actually I saw that one and I, I kind of liked it, but it just it didn't resonate. It didn't feel special enough. It didn't feel differentiated. And, you know, when you saw the Marvel's trailers, it didn't feel different or fresh or new or something justifying why it existed. It was just there because the first one did a billion dollars and the first one did a billion dollars because it came between the two Avengers movies. Yes, it was a must see a storyline that the fans had really bought into. So you had to see it. But now these storylines are so complicated. You have to watch multiple Disney plus shows to know who these people are. Yes. You you know, the phase four storyline has not been as compelling as the previous ones because all the original Avengers are pretty much gone. So it's, it's just Marvel's got to figure out moving forward, how to hone in on what people like about Marvel probably make fewer movies, certainly make fewer Disney plus shows and just get the mojo back. I, I thought Matt, you're hundred percent right out this. I thought the same thing as I'm watching uh, the Marvels, which is th- this feels like a, a much longer movie that was cut down at some point after testing or, or th- there's a lot of exposition exposition that I I'm not getting. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know where this came from. I don't know where that came from. I don't know what she wants. I don't know what she has, but apparently it's all explained in the shows or some other iteration of the story, but you're right. It's both underexplained and overexplained because in all of these movies that are now, you're right, getting like superhero fatigue, it's rinse and repeat. It's uh, save the world once again from the existential threat and then we're done and then do it again and then we're done and then do it. It's like, how many times can the world be threatened, the universe be threatened? I know. I know it's hard. And this has been my criticism of superhero movies for a decade now is that regardless of what they do in the beginning, it always ends up with 30 minutes of CGI monsters fighting at the end. Yes. And, you know, that that has been enough. That's been what the audience wanted. And I think increasingly the audience wants something one step above that. What that is, you know, clearly certain things work. Spider-Man still works. Like that is a franchise that is growing, not declining. Well, and the animated version of those movies are incredible. The animated, but but, uh, but even the live action Spider-Man: No Way Home grossed almost two billion dollars. Oh wow! Like it and that, but that had a that had an extra element. That was a multiverse where there were three Spider-Men. You right. had Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield back as Spider-Man. And it was a culmination of a lot of the stuff that had gone on for the past five years that felt that had an end game, had an Avengers end game feel to it because it was, it was positioned that way. The other movies that have come out since then, like they just don't, you know, they don't feel Eternals. What was that? You know, uh, Ant-Man 3. Was everyone clamoring for another Ant-Man after (laughs) Ant-Man 2? Yeah, it feels um, it feels obligatory, you know, rote, if you will. Like, yeah, these movies must come out because they are Marvel films. They must be seen by people. Yeah, and it's ironic because that was the whole beauty of Marvel. They made thirty three movies, and nowhere in the history of Hollywood has there ever been a more consistent hit machine than Marvel. Yeah. They, they had essentially taken the risk out of movie making, which was, everybody thought was impossible. And now this is the first movie to gross, to open to less than $50 million. And I don't think it will be the last. 
That's a yeah. good point. The, the the lowest point of those initial run of you know, three dozen movies or whatever it was might have been Thor 2, which is still a pretty good movie. Yeah, and it was building. It was building. Yes, yes. Like, that's the thing is it feels increasingly like Marvel is wafting on the past. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're like, just they're they're they're, they're uh, shooting free throws alone in the park as opposed to playing <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah, totally. Um, and it, and they've got to reinvent. And all film franchises need to reinvent if they want to keep going. Yeah, but we'll see if they can. I think they will be able to, but it's going to take an overhaul. And they're already doing some things behind the scenes to do that. Well, right. if I can give them a suggestion, maybe one thing they should do is accessorize the actors better. I, I have an idea for that uh, with a great company called Alex and Ani. They could probably help the actors with their jewelry. Just oh, listen yeah. to this. Jewelry is having a big moment right now. And with hundreds of products popping up in your feed every day, it can be hard to find a brand you trust. Alex and Ani has been creating meaningful jewelry for over 20 years, designing pieces that connect you with all of life's important moments. With an emphasis on value, there's truly something for everyone. You might be most familiar with their signature charm bangle. This bracelet literally created the category of meaningful jewelry and had you stacking charms from your wrist to your elbow. This piece is an icon for a reason, completely size and each bracelet is adorned with a symbol designed to tell your story and express your unique style. Beyond the bangle, you'll find stylish, affordable jewelry for every occasion, from classic pieces to bold statement looks. Don't know where to start? Alex and Ani makes it easy to unpack the trends you're after and sprinkle in your personality too. Each piece comes with a personalized message and meaning, truly making it the perfect gift. You can take comfort in knowing that you're shopping with a socially conscious brand as well. To date, Alex and Ani has donated over $60 million to nonprofits worldwide, connecting fashion and philanthropy in an easy, fun, affordable way. Visit alexandani.com right now to discover the confidence that comes with a perfectly accessorized piece of jewelry. Right now, Alex and Ani is offering our audience 20% off with code MIDAS at checkout. Again, head to alexandani.com. That's A-L-E-X-A-N-D-A-N-I.com and use code MIDAS at checkout for 20% off your order. It's something to think about. In the in the Marvels, the, one of the characters wears these magical bracelets. I'm pretty sure they were Alex and Ali. That's what I'm saying. That's something that they should maybe talk to our sponsors about. Uh, Matt, thank you yeah, so buddy, much. Thanks. You're incredible. What do you, what, what do you want to plug, man? You want to plug Puck uh, News well, or you podcast? Can, yeah, you can listen to my podcast called The Town on the Ringer Podcast Network, which is Spotify, but it's available on all platforms. Or you can subscribe to my newsletter at Puck called what i'm hearing and you can just go to puck.news it's it's very thorough and it's very digestible so i highly recommend it um and if people want to uh, what we like to say give you constructive compliments they can do that at matt bellany on the socials oh yeah Matt, do you want to do you want to you want to come on maybe sometime the new year and like talk uh like behind the scenes oscar campaigning and stuff like i'm fascinated by what goes on Absolutely. It's just now starting up. So we'll have some good data by the new year. 
Sweet, oh, that's sweet. a good idea. Well, for us, uh, please don't forget to like and subscribe to The Brian and Gina Show. Very, very important. And it's 100% free and you're looking at it anyway. So please just scroll down, like, subscribe, makes us look good to the powers that be. We don't ask you for a lot. Thank you so much for doing that. And of course, at Gina Grad, at Bob Brian on uh, X Twitter and Instagram. And uh, let's follow it. Matt Bellany as well. Of course. Uh, B-E-L-L-O-N-I. Um, all right, Matt, you're the best. We appreciate it. We can't wait to talk to you again. No problem. Thank you for listening to The Brian and Gina Show. To get in touch with the hosts or buy their books, hit them up at at baldbrian and at Gina Grad on Twitter and Instagram or by email at podcasts at lamag.com. To get connected with LA Magazine, hit them up at at LA Mag on Twitter and Instagram. Talk soon. <laughs> 